It's Sunday night, it's 9.30 and it's time for the Jersnet podcast, the independent Rangers show made by the fans for the fans. including a full analysis of a demolition of Hibs, a masterclass out in Denmark, and we'll also check in with all the latest news around the club. My name's Ross Bennett. I'm going to be your Jersnet podcast host for the evening, and it brings me really great pleasure to introduce my guests. First up, we've got one of the original pod contributors. It's fantastic to have him back on the show. It's David Fraser. David, how are you this evening? Very well, thanks, Ross. Good evening. Yeah, good day today, and we're to go. And were you, uh, were you at Ibrox today, aye? I was indeed, yes. A, a very handy performance by the boys and following on from Thursday night. So, uh, all's well in the Rangers garden, as they say. Certainly is at the moment. It's good. It gives us plenty to talk about tonight. And, uh, you know, you and I have had a couple of times over the past couple of years where we've had some uh, some pretty difficult shows to get through after some tough defeats. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to this year. Um, also with us this evening and making his Jersnet podcast debut, it's a very, very warm welcome to Ian Duff. Ian, are you, uh, are you looking forward to making your debut tonight? I uh, think I am, yeah. Uh, we'll could have picked on. a better day for it, really, to be honest. Absolutely. No, everyone's in good spirits. Um, it's going to be a good show. Uh, now, listen, like I said, we are broadcasting live this evening, as, as we do every Sunday. Um, what that means is you guys at home, you can get involved with the show. Uh, all you have to do is leave your comments and your questions over on the YouTube stream that you've got loaded up there. I'll keep my eye on that, and we'll get through as many of those questions and comments as we possibly can. Right, I reckon that's all the pleasantries out of the way. We've got so much that we're going to try and get through this evening. It's time to crack on with the show. Uh, we're better to start than with the incredibly satisfying win over the mob from Leith this afternoon. Um, David, let's start with yourself. What did you make of the game today, the overall performance? Yeah, it was a very good performance, Ross. Um, went along to the game today, expecting it to be far tighter than it actually was. Um, but you know, getting an early goal or two early goals, it was, um, it was, you know, it was looking very, very good for the first 30 minutes or so of the first half. Then obviously Hibs came back into the game, scored a good goal, a cracking pass from uh, he who shall not be mentioned through to Daryl Horgan. And then we picked it up in the second half. And and uh, as I was saying before, fair to the, the lads, um, off here Marciano saved Hibs from a a severe hiding today, but yeah, the, the performance was, was good overall. Some some very good individual performances, and overall, I thought it was a very good team performance following on from Thursday night. It certainly was, and and you know, it seemed like we we very much avoided a European hangover. There didn't seem to be signs of fatigue. Um, Jordan Jones, who got ninety minutes on Thursday, was running all over the park and must have covered a, a hell of a lot of miles out there, you know, chasing every ball down. Um, it's hard to kind of pick out any players to criticise, but we're going to be positive this evening. Ian, um, who particularly stood out for you this afternoon? Well, I thought second half, especially uh, Stephen Davis was outstanding. Um, he's, I mean, my, my issue with Davis in the past has been when he, he sits back, but when he pushes forward, uh, he can be unplayable. And uh, second half today, I thought he was uh, outstanding. But I mean, I, I think, you know, you said you know, it was a, a great team performance and that was probably the 
the key to it. And I think that's for, for the season. That's what we, you know, that's really what we're looking for. Is uh, it's great to have individuals that play well, but what we want is a, a good team performance, especially when teams getting changed um, from game to game. Um, if if we can keep it going as a team, then uh, then that's the. Uh, that, that's going to really help. Uh, we can't rely on Morelos every week or uh, Tavernier every week. You know, we want we want the whole team to to contribute, and I think that was that was the pleasing thing from today. I absolutely. I mean, you kind of hit on the rotation of the team there. Obviously, we've had uh, um, an important game out in in Denmark on Thursday that's taken a lot of legs and a lot of, a lot of travelling as well. Um, and so there was some rotation in the squad today. Ian, were you surprised that? The team that he picked, you know, obviously Scotty Arfield dropped out, um, Morelos dropped out, who was in superb form on Thursday, possibly one of his greatest games for Rangers so far. Um, were you surprised at the team that was put out there, or do you think it was kind of sensible rotation at this stage? I wasn't surprised at all, no. To be honest, I think that's, uh, I think uh, Gerard sort of made it clear that that's what he's hoping to do. He's wanting to have two players for every position and uh, and because the games, especially at this time of season, the game the games are coming thick and fast and it really needs to be, you know, changing the team to, to suit the the circumstances. And uh, I think, you know, in a game a home game at Ibrox, admittedly against maybe one of the better teams in the league, you know, you would you would hope that uh, we could definitely get by with uh, uh, a different team than the than we would put out in a a European game, and you know, I'm, I was quite happy with the team. You know, especially as you know, get these guys on the bench and they can come on. And if things are going badly, then you know, somebody like Morelos can change the game. So, you know, I was, I was, I was quite happy. I wasn't surprised at all, to be honest. I mean, obviously, Morelos came on late. He didn't exactly change the game. He more sort of kept the momentum going. Um, David Ian mentioned there that he, you know, for him, Steve Davis really stood out, and I, I have to agree. I thought it was, it was probably his best game in the second spell at the club. Um, do you think that today's game showed that there is a way that Steve Davis and Ryan Jack can play in the same squad? We've, we've mentioned over the past few shows that sometimes the two of them can sort of sit back a bit too much. There's not enough attack and drive. Obviously, Steve Davis's legs are a wee bit older and perhaps doesn't have as much energy to push forward in the way that he would have done seven or eight years ago. But did today's game show that Steve Davis and Ryan Jack could be a, a successful midfield partnership? I would say so. Um, the performance and scoreline would suggest that they can be a partner sitting in the middle of the pitch. I think it's it, it probably comes down to how clinical um, the strikers are, or, or you know, people that are taking the chances. Uh, if, if, if let's say you know that the team are creating chances, maybe passing them up, that puts additional pressure on guys in the middle of the pitch. So. If you know if we're clinical and ruthless to use the buzzword that the manager has been using of late, um, that takes pressure off guys to play in the middle of the pitch and try and be creative. Now, Ian mentioned they're quite regularly. But the two players, Stephen Davis and, and Ryan Jack, Stephen Davis is probably the more creative, naturally creative player. Although Ryan Jack's trying to add that more and more to his game. Um, when Ryan Jackson aside, I would imagine that he will be assigned the kind of Daniel Candias cover for Tav duty in the team, and he, he kind of funnels back into the right back area from time to time. Um, that obviously gives Steve Davis a platform to go forward if we recycle the ball, and you know, in between transitions, so to speak. So, yeah, I think you know, two good midfielders playing well. 
Um, obviously, Steve Davis has picked up a knock uh, in the early part of the season, and he's come in today and he's played really, really well. Uh, Ryan Jack's playing consistently. Joe Arebo's finding his feet, and he's looking quite, quite good. So, yeah, I would imagine it gives us uh, grounds for optimism going forward. Ross. And so, David, did anyone else particularly stand out for you today? What about Jordan Jones's performance? I think Jordan um, picked up from where he left off on Thursday night, largely. Uh, he's, he, he looks hungry. Um, he's, he's willing to take guys on. He's direct. Uh, he, just, he, he looks to, to want to be involved in the play, which is, is healthy. Um, a lot of been, when news broke that we were interested in Jordan Jones, a lot of fans... Probably rightly so. You know, we're scratching our heads and thinking, is, he, is Jordan Jones good enough to play for Rangers? And that obviously remains to be seen. It's very much early days. But um, I was of the opinion that getting a move to Ibrox, especially if you're a Rangers supporter, as Jordan's been growing up, um, it could be the making of the guy. And the two games that I've seen him... Well, today was my first uh, game that I've actually seen Rangers live. I've, I've not attended any of the any of the, the, the pre-qualifiers for the Europa League uh, and any of the, the friendlies. So I've been quite impressed with him. Um, he certainly was good good on Thursday night. And again, as I said earlier, he, he took his form on Thursday night into today's game and he, he looked very, very lively. I think with a guy like uh, Jones, the, the, the big test is going to be when he plays against uh, the teams where we know we have to break them down. So like, like the away game at Kilmarnock or... Uh, or just anyone else who play away from home, basically, uh, you know, they're going to be the games that he's going to have to show whether he's got what it takes to to beat a player, get a cross in or attack into the penalty area or whatever it is he, he wants to do. And, and, you know, that's part of, I mean, that's been one of our big issues over the last season is breaking down uh, these uh, really stuffy, ultra-defensive teams. Uh, and, you know, I think when it comes to to guys like Jones and and Ojo on the other side, I think you know are, they are going to sort of live or die by whether they can do the the job against those teams because that's kind of what they've been signed for. So, I mean, I, I'm hopeful. Uh, he's, he certainly showed signs uh, on Thursday and today that he's he's got what it takes. But you know that they are relatively easy games in the sense that you know the other teams are more likely to be coming at us, uh, or there's more space for them to 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 play in. So. So hopefully, fingers crossed, you can do that in, uh, in these more tight games. But you can certainly see Stephen Gerrard has identified that and, and in his recruitment strategy this summer, in that he's been, you know, with so Jordan Jones, with Shea Ojo, uh, Brandon Barker coming in again today. Um, you can clearly see that he's he's looking for that kind of creativity. Is that right? Oh, I think, I mean, he, he can see it. You know, if, if we can see it, then I'm sure he can see it. Um, it's... Just whether the, these players are capable of doing it, I suppose that's it. And time will tell that, whether that is the case. But I mean, he's he's obviously identified that as being a as, as being a, a an important element of what the team's got to do this season. Uh, but we had players, I suppose, like that last season, and they struggled um, to break down uh, to break down defenses. So you know, I, you know, I think I think Jones especially looks because you know he's play, he's played in Scotland for for a couple of seasons uh, already and he knows the, the game here so he, he knows what to expect so maybe he's uh, in a better place to, to, to take that on than, than perhaps some people thought he might be you know Do you think as well Ian though that something that, that Gerard's tried to address is 
perhaps a, a mental fragility that we had last season, not being able to, you know, close out games or or find a way to win games in a stuffy, you know, team sitting back and us having to break them down is, is obviously a physical side and a skill and um, and having the pace to beat a man. But I think we also struggled last season with a almost a mental block and and struggling with the pressure and the atmosphere. Do you think that today, by the fact that we go 2-0 up and then Hibs get a goal back, you could argue it's the kind of game that last season we might have capitulated in. Does today's game show that the fact that we responded to that, we pushed on, yeah, we were helped by them going down to 10 men, but we really kicked up a gear in the second half. Do you think that that shows that Gerrard has also been able to affect the mentality of these players and make them stronger in that regard? Well, I hope so. I mean, that you know, in fact, that kind of scenario has happened in the last three games, really, hasn't it? I mean, the, uh, even in, in Denmark, we lost those two quick goals and, you know, Last season, we lost quick goals in Moscow and that, uh, we never recovered from that, really. And uh, and we lost a goal at Kilmarnock, obviously, and, you know, we recovered from that. So the signs are that, you know, that, yeah, I mean, he's obviously identified it. The signs are that it's uh, been taken on board. Again, you know, like you say, we were, were helped a little bit by uh, Hibs going down to 10 men. They had come back into the game to some extent. And, that, you know, what, when it, it was... Uh, two one. I was kind of slightly concerned that we weren't taking the chances that we were getting, and we were going to uh, suffer from that because it only takes a a second for them to score, really. So you know, but uh, you know, as it turned out, the, you know, we reacted pretty well in in the end, and uh, and you know, and were pretty ruthless. And and as has been said, uh, that's what was required. You know, I would just wish we could get ruthless. Before they score the goal, and then, uh, and then we don't have to be quite as nervous about it. But then, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think between Hibs getting a goal back today and uh, Mitchelland getting a, two goals back on Thursday, it must have added five years onto my life. Um, David, one player that we're not seeing much of at the moment and wasn't even in sight of the squad today was Borna Barisic. Um, doesn't seem to be any injury problems there, but it looks like he was given the summer to stake his place, and he's come back in the pre-seasons and the pre-qualifiers and you know the start of the season and it's just not happening for the boy is there you know is him being left out of the squad today entirely is that a sign that his future at Rangers is is non-existent quite possibly um I think judging by his performance last week at Rugby Park especially for the for their goal um it just seems very timid Ross I know we've, we've We've went over the pros and cons of Borna Barisic's game umpteen times on the pod. And yeah, you've got to, to, to think that um, for, for John Flanagan to come in after having an operation in the closed season and be pitched into such an important game as the, the Michelin first leg and then being subbed off this afternoon and being replaced by Andy Halliday uh, at left-back. You know, it, it doesn't say much for, for Borna's chances of featuring on Thursday night. However, stranger things have happened. Personally, you know, I we spoke at length last season. I was of the opinion trying to, you know, glass half full, but let's see what um, Borna was like after having a, a pre-season with Rangers. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I think he's... You know, he's at best stagnated. He's not showing anything that would 
suggest to me that he's he's mentally got his finger out. I, I, I don't think that he can cope with the press, the mental pressures of playing for, for Rangers Football Club, and I don't think he's got a long-term future, Ross, I'm afraid. No, it certainly looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, when you can't even get in the squad, and Andy Halliday, who's not a, not a natural left-back, is, is getting on the bench ahead of you. Um, no, you're right. I certainly don't see him featuring on Sunday, and I suspect that that's... Uh, this might well be the end of the road for him. Obviously, the European transfer window is still open, I believe, until the end of the month. Um, if there are French teams sniffing about Eros Gresda, maybe we can do a package deal. I don't know. Um, I certainly really don't see see much of a future for for Borna Barisic, which is a, it's a shame, you know, considering the the financial outlay that's there. Um, this was a market that Rangers fans were desperate for us to go and scout in. You know, when we were signing, I think back three or four years back to the Warburton days and. We were signing Brentford reject after Brentford reject. And everyone was crying out going, well, why don't we scout countries like Croatia? Um, well, we did it and it's just it's just not worked out, which is it's a real shame for everyone involved. But hopefully we can recoup some of the funds that we've, we've spent on the transfer fee there. Um, just finally, Ian, today I think is will rightfully go down as one of the best days of the season, I'm sure. It's a, a fantastic win to score six goals against any Hibs side. I thought they were a poor Hibs side today, by the way, but any Hibs side is is a really gratifying feeling. Um, and there were too many kind of moments to pick out as, as standout moments for me. But it, I thought it was awesome to see Defoe get a hat-trick and then Morelos come on with 10, 15 minutes to go and grab another two goals. And I think we, we have the best two strikers in the league at Rangers at the moment. The question is, though, is that enough or do we need to replace Kyle Lafferty? Obviously, we've got, like we mentioned earlier, we've got very direct and very attacking players in Jordan Jones and in Shea Ojo, um, even in, you know, Greg Stewart, who I thought was, you know, he, he showed that he had flashes of, of skill when he came on. Um, but do we need to replace Kyle Lafferty and, and bring in a third out-and-out striker? Uh, yeah, I think we do, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think, you know, all it takes is for one injury or one sort of streak of uh, poor form or, or whatever, or suspensions is, uh, is always a, a good possibility uh, with one of our strikers anyway. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we do need three players. I mean, the problem is, I suppose, is that, you know, you're only ever going to be playing one of them. So that means two players are going to be on the bench and they're going to be disappointed. And uh, um, I mean, that's always a problem for a manager to, to cope with. But, you know, I think we could really do with bolstering and uh, giving a bit of backup to those two guys. Uh, I mean, especially Defoe, who's, you know, I know he's super fit, but, you know, he's 37 or, or whatever age he is now. Um, he's maybe not going to be firing all cylinders for the whole season. And uh, as I say, Morelos is always a a bit of a loose cannon when it comes to suspension. So, you know, you know, you don't know whether we're going to have him in important games. So, yeah, I definitely think we need somebody who's of a decent quality to to come in and, and either as backup or as an alternative at some point. Who that would be, I have absolutely no idea. Um, but, um, but I got the impression from something that Gerard said today that maybe it's something that he's uh, thinking about as well. But, um, you know, I don't know if that was just wishful thinking or if he's actually got somebody in mind. But... Yeah, I definitely think we could do that. Well, I mean, there's questions about whether, uh, as as John's pointed out here on the YouTube stream, maybe Shea Ojo, maybe Greg Stewart could play through the middle. I know that Greg Stewart has done that in the past throughout his career. He's played through the middle as a central striker. Um, and you could maybe say a push that Greg Stewart is our third striker. But 
the question would be if we, you know, I agree with you entirely, and I think we probably do need some kind of cover or reinforcement in the central striker position. With that in mind, though, does it seem slightly strange that we would let Ryan Hardy and Andrew Dallas leave the club in the same transfer window? Well, are they likely to get into the first team? I mean, I think that's the question, you know, and Stephen Gerrard will know that himself, If you know. Would he ever pitch them in? And he obviously thinks not at this stage, and that they'll they'll benefit from uh, from a bit of time away or or, or whatever, or, or leaving uh, permanently. So you know, I don't, you know, we you know we th- you know we, we look at the youth players and think well they could do a turn, but you know the the manager's the one that sees them in training and and, and knows whether they're up to the job yet or not. Um, I think. You would want at this stage, and certainly where we are as a as a team, we would want experience and and proven quality of some. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a first choice striker, but I think we would want somebody you could trust. I mean, you just have to look at the uh, the League Cup semi final last season, where we pitched in someone who was clearly not up to the job and uh, and, and it backfired. So, I think you know we, we really need to, to have that extra option. I mean, you know, Greg, Greg Stewart, I, to be honest, I don't really know an awful lot about him. I, did, I didn't know an awful lot about him before he came to Rangers and I always thought he was a, a striker rather than a, a, a creative player, if you like. So um, that was how I, I saw him. So, you know, maybe he is the, 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 third, the third option if we don't get someone in. I mean, it's a tough one because like you say, we're, we're trying to find that balance between someone who has the quality to improve the team and to produce the goods when Morelos and Defoe are unavailable or being rested or whatever it might be, but also someone who's going to be willing to kind of sit on the bench for what, 80, 85% of matches at, at, at the very least. And that's, that's hard to come across out like with the, the second goalkeeper position. It's, it's hard to find a player who will be happy to do that, but still produce the goods of a sufficient quality when he's called upon to do that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you answer that question. Um, I suppose most players think, you know, that they'll be the one that will come in and they'll be so good that they'll they'll take over and they'll be the first choice striker. So you hope you hope that you get someone with that kind of mentality, and and if it doesn't uh, happen straight away for them, that they're not going to be disheartened that they'll they'll keep working at it and take their chance when they when they get it. And that's the kind of player you'd be looking for rather than someone who's just willing to come in and be a, you know, knows that they're going to be a squad player and, and just take it like that. Because I think we've had an awful lot of them over the years that so we don't really need any more of them. So I, I would be looking for somebody who who might know that he's not necessarily first choice to start with, but uh, has the, the confidence in himself to, to want to be the first choice. Um, but, the, you know, these, these players are few and far between probably, especially if you're looking for decent quality. No, absolutely. And listen, um, as, as Stephen Saunders has pointed out here on the YouTube, Morelos is maturing this season. We've seen, um, there were instances that, that I've picked up in, in Denmark where players were clearly trying to niggle him, trying to rile him up a wee bit. It happened with Kilmarnock as well, and he doesn't rise to it in the same way that he might have done last season. Um, so perhaps the, the, the instances where we wouldn't have Morelos and Defoe are, are going to be few and far between. So perhaps this is all kind of a moot point. At the end of the day, today was a wonderful day to be a Rangers fan. That that game, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. And, you know, there were too many good performances to mention them all. But like you say, Ian, Stephen Davis was excellent. Ryan Jack, I thought, was superb in the middle of the park. Um, Shea Ojo looked dangerous on a number of occasions, if, if perhaps a little naive. Um, Defoe and Morelos 
we don't even have to say how good they were today. Tavernier had an excellent game, his best game of the season, in my opinion. Um, so a, a wonderful day, a wonderful result. And thankfully, it kind of closes that, that gap on the goal difference, which already seems to be open up at the top of the table. Um, I'm conscious of the time. So what we're going to do is we're going to move on and talk about the, the game midweek in Midtjylland out in Denmark. Um, I was lucky enough to get a ticket and go to that game, which was a phenomenal experience. And um, can't speak highly enough for that club, by the way, who, who looked after everyone superbly. The time was great. The police were excellent. Um, the pubs did a, a roaring trade. It was a wonderful wee trip. David, what did you make of the game on Thursday? Who who really stood out for you? And are you pleased with the result? Well, I'm obviously pleased with the result, Ross. Um, pick a, pick a, a player to stand out. You've, you've probably got to echo the, the manager's sentiments about Alfie. Um, as you alluded to there, it was a, a mature performance. You get booked for nothing. Um, but to, to score a goal and set up two uh, other goals and occupy a, a defence largely by himself, I thought it was another excellent performance. But there was there was there were several excellent performances. I thought the, the two centre halves were, were good. Um the lads in the middle of the park were, were were more than decent. James Tavernier yet again, you know, he's driving the team forward. So and John Flanagan coming in as a manager, uh, rightly gave praise to coming in for his first start of the season. Looked his usual solid self, loves a tackle. Um, yeah, it was it was really good the other night. Um, I just, if I could pick fault, and you're probably going to you know, sigh and think, oh, here he goes again. But I just thought, see, for the, the two goals, if, if I could pick in any fault, I thought that the middle of the park was a bit powder puff. And stopping their players advancing. There was there was a couple of instances where we, you know, could have closed the advancing player down it and at least make a tackle. Or if we make a tackle, make sure we come out with the ball. And that didn't happen. So that would just be the, the one slight um you know kind of uh, down mark if you like against the, the the, the team performance. Otherwise, I thought it was excellent, especially in, in light of last Sunday, which was a bit of a grind. Uh, obviously, Conor Golson comes up trumps with a 92nd minute winner. Um, I was going into the game and on Thursday night thinking, well, this could be this could be dodgy. Um, it could be a case of getting back tie books with any sort of result. Uh, but yeah, the, the guys obviously took a three-goal lead. Um, you could maybe point the finger and say they could have shut up shop. Obviously, Mitchell and they've got a, a big, strong team. And they, they, they're, they're kind of purple patch in a 10-minute period and managed to score two goals. But we came again. Scott Arfield scored a, a, a lovely finish to um, restore that two-goal advantage. And whilst it's not you know easy streak for us for Thursday night, it would take a monumental collapse for, for Mitchell and to, to come back into the reckoning. So, yeah, I just hope that the lads can... You know, Rectify where they went partially wrong, you know, slightly wrong the other night, and, and put in a, a, another stellar performance on Thursday night. See, I'm like you, David. When I got to the start of the game on Thursday, I got nervous. I was really, really nervous, and I was thinking, this could be any result here. We don't know a huge amount about them. Um, in my view, David, these are two reasonably even teams. I don't think we're a, a necessarily a league above Midtjylland. Um, why is it then that you think we were so superior on the day? What was the the difference between the two sides out in Denmark? I think the, the Rangers try to control the game. You know, possession wise, you know, they, they, 
for large parts of the game, they controlled the ball. Um, looking back at the result, maybe on, on Friday morning, I was, I was speaking to my brother about this and thinking, like, where, would you, where would you see Mitchell if, if they were playing in the Scottish League? Where would you equate them with? You know, a Hearts or, a, or an Aberdeen? Do you think they're, they're as good as that? And, you know, we, we couldn't really come up with an answer with that one. They're somewhere in between. I, I don't think Mitchell and are a great side. Uh, they're certainly a tricky side they're a competent team they've obviously they've won the, the Danish title uh, in the last five years or so they've, they've been in Europe several seasons that you know they've got experience at that level but they've not exactly set the header alight um, I think that going back to what Ian spoke at length about with regards to Jordan Jones and some of the wider players that we've signed I think that you know, they wanted to come and play as well, up to a point. Um, if they had just been stuffy with a low block and, you know, maybe we were maybe, you know, playing a lot of square balls and playing in front of them, so to speak, I think it could have been a, a different game. But I think when when teams come to, you know, not necessarily take the game to Rangers, but they, they, want, to, they want to go toe-to-toe with Rangers, so to speak. I think our players get a, a degree of freedom that they might not necessarily get in Scotland and you, you, you know, it lends itself to maybe a confident display. But again, you know yourselves, guys, it is, you know, if somebody crosses the white line at the start of the match and they're at it, mentally they're at it, like Jordan Jones, want to take the balls, you know, skip over a couple of challenges on the touchline and, and, and take the game in their defence. The other players get a, a lift from that, a mental lift, and say, right, we're on song tonight. And guys just click together. And uh, I think it's early days in the season, obviously. Um, but there seems to be you know, the, the kind of the inklings of a, a step change, as you've mentioned as well, about the mentality side of things. They've obviously they've had a season together, apart from the new boys have just come in close season, so they know the story. They've, they've heard, you know, the, the, the mantra that we've got to be winning every week. We've got to be, you know, the old cliche tune on up at half time in, in a lot of Scottish Premier League matches. And a lot of the guys have been used to the pressure. Um, over last of last season, and are comfortable with it. I, I watched the the pre-match press conference on Friday with Nico Katic, and he was asked, I think, by Chris Jack and maybe Chris um, Charles Patterson from Sky Sports about did he feel comfortable um, dealing with the pressure and expectation of being a Rangers player, and, he, and he, he spoke at length about how he does feel that he's ready to embrace that challenge. And I think maybe when you've got six, seven, eight in the team that are ready to to handle that expectation, then it can only augur well for, for team performances going forward. And look, the most confident thing, uh, the most important thing for us on Thursday is that our, our defence are confident. And like you say, I was I was impressed by Nico Katic's press conference. I think he's kind of matured over the summer. I think he was wonderful out in Denmark, by the way. Um, won every header, took his goal beautifully. Um Ian, there's an interesting debate going on uh, amongst the listeners at the moment talking about Morelos picked up a booking um, out in Denmark. And if you get three bookings, that's a suspension, although these those bookings are wiped if you happen to get to the group stage. Obviously, Morelos started the game on the bench today, only came on for sort of 10 or 15 minutes at the end. What do you think is the best way to set up there uh, for our striking options on Thursday? Do you think it's worth risking Morelos to get that killer goal that really puts the tie to bed? Or would you leave him on the bench um, just with one eye on the disciplinary record? Well, I'm usually of opinion that you put your best team out if you can. Um, 
for the game that you've got ahead of you. And if uh, if you want to win the game, then you put your best players out. Uh, in saying that, we're in a pretty comfortable position or a pretty strong position. Um, I would say that Steven Gerrard might be tempted to leave uh, Morelos out. I think he felt probably last season when he played him in a game where, uh, if I, remember, I can't remember which game it was, but he, he, he ended up picking up a booking and missed a, an important game. And I think I think uh, Gerrard regretted doing that. And I think given the opportunity again, he might take that view. Um, you know, I would I would say with Defoe up front, we should still be strong enough to to get through that game, uh, the second leg, without any great difficulty. Um, I didn't think that uh, Mitchell and were a brilliant team, but I think they were pretty competent. And I think if they scored an early goal, then you know maybe we, maybe we'd be under a bit of pressure. Um, but they would have to they would have to win by three clear goals. And you know I think our defence is probably strong enough to to cope with that. So um, yeah, I think you could take the risk on on Morelos uh, and, and leaving them on the bench um, if it's a risk because uh, we certainly would want to have them in the next round because uh, uh, that should be a, another step up in terms of uh, quality we're, we're facing. Uh, one of the things I thought was quite interesting, I saw some stats from the game uh, between uh, our potential next two opponents whose names have both gone right out of my head. Um, and it was very one-sided. The, the polls were, I think they uh, massive uh, advantage in terms of um, uh, possession and shots on goal and corners and all the rest of it, and it ended up nil nil. And it's, it struck me is that uh, the the Greek team were obviously uh, going to be a difficult team to break down. So if they do get through, then you know, we're going to be facing the, the the kind of team that we've possibly struggled against in in, in previous times. So uh, I think you would definitely want Morelos up front in that because that's the kind of game he can uh, excel in when he's, he gets a a chance to to hold up the ball and, and, and batter his way through defences in some ways. Yeah, certainly. Look, we've got a... It's, it's a tough one. It's a, it's a slightly strange position that we're in and that we're... Obviously, you know, we, they need to come and score three goals um, at Ibrooks. And, and as, as someone on the YouTube stream here shifted, has pointed out that not many teams are going to come um, and, and score three goals at Ibrox this season. Our defence has markedly improved from where it was 18 months ago. I mean, think back to the days of like Declan John and Russell Martin at the at the back. It's it, it's such a difference that we've made. But considering the the slightly awkward position that we're in, that we need, you know, we've got a fairly comfortable lead to defend. Ian, how would you actually set up the rest of your team? Do you go out and and be quite aggressive and try and score that killer final goal, or do you? soak up the pressure, confident in the knowledge that you can at least defend enough to not concede three? I definitely wouldn't want to be sitting back. Um, I don't think, um, I don't think we, I, th- I think away, f- away from home in Europe, um, that's a fair enough tactic, but I think at home, because you get, you get the pressure, the crowd get frustrated quite quickly, especially if you're, if, you know, if the other team are doing well, if they get an early goal, then we would really be, um, you know the the panic button would get hit to some extent, so I would I wouldn't necessarily sit back and defend. I think we just play the normal our normal home game and 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 play how we're comfortable playing. And you know, I think that's uh, that's the most important thing. You know, instead of trying to change the game 
uh, to suit the other team. I think we just play our, our game this time and um, I think we should have more than enough to, to get through. Um, we take a pretty monumental collapse, as you say, to to, uh, to to lose out and I think we would only be bringing it on ourselves if we sat back too much and, and, and invited them to come and attack because they did look at times uh, fairly dangerous uh, going forward but I don't think we want to make it easy for them to do that. No, certainly. Look, I think though it, it it's worth pointing out that, and actually, I noticed that Colin, who's obviously a, a regular feature on this show, has, has been commenting on the stream. I'm not sure I should actually take Colin's comments too seriously, considering he doesn't watch Rangers anymore. Um, but he's saying that you know Mitchell and have to come and attack us, and we are very, very good on the counter attack at the moment. Um, when the space opens up, we have the quick players that can exploit that space. I mean, think about Joe Arrigo's goal uh, on Thursday there was Jordan Jones picks up the ball in his own half, runs the length of the pitch, and we score a killer counter-attacking goal. Um, I think this is set up for us to do quite well on Thursday, and then we'll be looking ahead to either a trip to Warsaw or a trip out to Athens, um, which is very, very exciting, obviously, financially for the club. It's it's excellent. Um, so it's it, it's a difficult one. It's an awkward position to be in, but like you say, you know, I'd much rather be in Rangers' position at the moment than be in Mitchell's position. Um, a word for Joe Aribo, by the way, David. Um, I thought Joe Aribo on Thursday was was superb. Um, and again, he's you know he's shown today that he's maybe a little bit quieter, maybe a, he's, he's feeling it in his legs a wee bit. But I mean, what a signing we've picked up in this boy. Yeah, it looks it looks good. Um, it, you know, I I like my uh, my players that can that can dribble. That are happy to take the ball in tight areas. He's showing that he's got very good close control. I think there was a couple of passes I played today where there was a couple of Hibs boys close to him. I think it's Stevie Marlin and it may have been Scott Allen and he kind of danced around about them. Uh, yeah, it looks good. It's early days. Enough. He's came from, uh, from League One in England, third level English football. So it's early days. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't rush to, to judge him. Uh, I cast my mind back twelve months, and uh, Ovi Ajaria seemed to hit the ground running reasonably well when he, he pitched up at first, and then sadly Ovi, for whatever reason, tailed off. So, but Joe's here permanently. Um, he's certainly went to the future, but he, he, he looks he looks tidy on the ball. He looks as if he's got a bit of vision. He looks as if he's. He's got the courage of his convictions. His goal on Thursday night, as you rightly said, it was a, a tidy finish. Um, very composed, knew where he was putting it. Um, I think the boy can only get better. Uh, I think just to, to, to go back to the, the previous point, I think that if we can get a goal uh, relatively quickly on Thursday night, um, I think that more or less kills the tie. I think it would knock the stuffing right out of Mitchell. Um, Joe Aribo might be instrumental in, in providing that. First, hopefully, that first goal, uh, which could, could obviously put the, the, the tie to bed, so to speak. Um, also, another thing is, that's striking me is, you know, today you see the strength of the, the bench. You've got Scott Arfield and uh, Alfredo Morales on the bench. You know, not, not too shabby in terms of options to bring off the bench and on at the pitch to try and change a game if required. Um, but as you rightly said, Joe looks the business. Early days for him. Um, he looks as if he's comfortable. He looks as if he's got the manager's got his back. Obviously, the manager signed him, uh, and I'm sure there'll be a few other sides that are maybe kicking themselves that they didn't get. You. Know? I, I I totally agree. Um, especially in terms of his ability, I think he's uh, 
he's definitely got the ability there. What what will, as always, uh, is the case with Rangers players is you have to have the mentality as well. Um, at the moment, he looks like he has, but you know, as we say, we're very early in the season. But you know, if if he has got that sort of strength of character and mentality that that you need as a Rangers player, where you know you've got to go out and do the business every single week, then you know we've got a real uh, talent on our hands. Then, um, and hopefully, if you know, he has he is coming up from from a lower a much lower level in terms of expectation, um, not necessarily again in the terms of the. the the, the quality of the opposition, but certainly the expectations he's he's going to face. Um, and you know, if he does tail off a wee bit, I'm hoping that you know pressure won't immediately go on him. You know, if he has to be left out of the team for a while just to to you know recover, then hopefully we've got the options and in, in the squad to to cover for him, and then he'll come back as as strong as ever, and he won't he won't sort of take it to to heart too much. Um, you know, but I think you know. It's, Early days, but he, he looks like he looks the part as a player, and and he he seems to have the right mentality as well from what I can from what I can tell. So uh, I think we might have a real uh, a real good talent on our hands here. Absolutely. I mean, if I'm being selfish, I'd like to see him be a bit more direct and a bit more positive with the ball. But it seems like the role he's been asked to play is to kind of anchor things and 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 more kind of play incisive passes rather than run at defenders, which I'd love to see him try. Um, I saw him do it a wee bit for Charlton, so I, I know it's something he's got in his locker. But like you say, Ian, if he does have to, you know, we have to protect the asset in a way. And he's a young player, new league, new country. Um, he, there will be times when he needs to be brought out of the team just to protect him, just to look after him a wee bit. Thankfully, the position that we're in now is that we have got Stephen Davis, Ryan Jack, Glenn Kamara, Greg Doherty, all of whom I would, you know, happily trust to, to fill in in the midfield. Um, I think Aribo has shown at the moment that he's possibly the strongest uh, creative midfield, central midfielder that we've got at the moment. Um, the the way that he covers the ground, you know, obviously we saw him making up a lot of ground on Thursday to to get his goal, but we saw it again today with Alfredo's first goal. Aribo was there. Aribo was there waiting for the cutback. So he's got a a, a real attacking brain and a real uh, an intelligence about his play that he knows where to be to. He senses the danger and he really goes for the jugular. So I'd love to see him try that with the ball. But I think he's he's had a wonderful start to his Rangers career and, and let's hope it can continue from there. Right, we've got around about 18 minutes left of the show. Um, what I'd like to do now is just take a wee look at the news around the club, um, see what's been happening over the last seven days. Obviously, it's been a wonderful week for Rangers on the park, but take a look at what's been happening off the pitch. Um, the biggest news, I suppose, from the week happened yesterday with the... Uh, or, or, or back on Friday, sorry, with the announcement of the signing of Brandon Barker from Man City. Um, Brandon Barker is a name possibly quite familiar to some of us who, you know, he had a loan spell at Hibs, I think, two seasons ago. Um, if I remember correctly, played reasonably well against Rangers, a reasonably attacking, creative player. Um, since then, it, it seems that he's gone away. He's played a wee bit at Preston, played in, you know, out on loan in England, struggled with injury, and now has signed a permanent deal at Rangers. David, it's probably fair to say that there's been some criticism of this signing. Um, the reception hasn't been overwhelmingly positive. What's your immediate thoughts on on Barker to Rangers? Mm, it's a definite, difficult one. Uh, I think, as Ian mentioned earlier in the show, I think that the manager's looking to have two players for a bit position. Um, Brandon Barker's an, uh, an attacking talent. He's obviously had 
um, some injury issues. I think um, I saw a stat that during his his, um, his six month loan or four month loan last season at, at Deepdale, I think he only completed ninety minutes twice in that period of time. Um, apparently, he's had two hamstring injuries recently, so. It may well be that he's a bad run of luck in terms of injuries, uh, and he's he's over that now. And Rangers have saw fit to, to push the ball and sign him. Um, my initial thoughts were, you know, he's obviously they've, they've signed a, a guy that's you know of a similar ilk to, to Ryan Kent. You know, the fact that he's signed permanently would possibly suggest that Ryan Kent isn't coming back. Although that's um, remains to be seen. Whether you know it might not necessarily be this window that Ryan Kent may or may not come back. Um, but yeah, but Brandon Barker, he's, he's, he's based on what we saw of him when he, he was playing with Hibs. I mean, he had one game against us, um, I seem to recall, was it the, the five each game at the tail end of uh, two seasons ago? I think he, he, was, he was pretty hot that day. I seem to recall um, I'm turning James Tavernier inside out on several occasions that day. So he's, he's one that's got attacking talent. He's direct. He's rapid. He can run with the ball. He's feet. He's an out ball. He's, I can picture, you know, maybe going to Parkhead, uh, possibly, you know, having to weather the storm. And, and Brandon Barker would give you that option of taking the ball for the proverbial walk, you know, to get us up the pitch. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment. I, I, I'll not lie and say that I was a wee bit you know scratching my head initially, thinking right we've signed another wide player. How come we've not signed a striker? Um, but I'll reserve judgment. I think once we see the guy uh, get his, you know, get used to his surroundings, get over his if he's got any kind of um, fitness issues in terms of you know legacy problems with. with the previous injuries, get over that and let's see what the boy can do. Obviously, we've signed him. Um, the, the staff must believe in him uh, in some way, shape or form. So, it's, again, it's down to, down to Brandon. If he can accept the, the challenge of of the expectation of, of playing for a club the size of Rangers, which you would like to think shouldn't be too alien to him having come from Manchester City. Um, but it's, it's one thing being an academy player at at Eastlands and then coming to play for Rangers where you're, you know, as I said previously, you're expected to be two and a half at half time every game you play for Rangers. So, yeah, let's, let's, I hope the boy does well when he, when he gets a chance. No, look, let's be fair. It is, it was a slightly underwhelming announcement. You know, it, everyone's been crying out for Ryan Kent to come back over the, over the window. And with this, it kind of seems he's not coming back and we've replaced him with a guy who was, okay for Hibs a couple of years ago and hasn't really done much since then. Um, so you can see why on paper people would be slightly perplexed and slightly concerned about this signing. Um, is he really the quality that we need? Ian, it's probably fair to say, though, that certainly from my perspective, there have been a number of signings over the Stephen Gerrard reign where I've gone, I'm not so sure about that. So Glenn Kamara, when that was announced, I thought, really? Jordan Jones, again, I wasn't sure why we'd be signing him. Um, and both of those players, certainly Glenn Kamara in the second half of last season and the way that Jordan Jones has started this season, look like pr- proving me very, very wrong indeed. So is it a case that we need to kind of trust the scouting team on this one? Because it looks like it's more of our less high-profile signings. You know, it's not our Borna Barisic signings or our Eros Gresdas that are 
really setting the heather alight. It's it's the guys that are coming in slightly under the radar and the slightly um, the slightly underwhelming signings seem to be doing doing the business. Is that possibly going to be the case with Barker? Well, let's hope so. Um, I mean, I, I think you know the disappointing thing with the reaction to the signing, I suppose, has been that probably most people don't really know much about him and are sort of being quite quick to judge that he's not what we need. Um, but as I said before, you know, I think. I think the manager wants two players for every position. I can't see him being a, you know, a, a, an automatic starter by any stretch of the imagination. But if you know we've got a long, hard season ahead of us, we're going to need to have a bit of rotation. I mean, I just don't, I don't know whether uh, Barker is uh, a, a good player or not. I mean, I'm cle- clearly as he's he's got a talent, uh, or he wouldn't be at Man City in the first place, but. Um, I think we need to give them a chance. I think the disappointment is probably, as you touched on there, is that a lot of people were hoping that we were going to uh, produce Ryan Kent from uh, from a magic hat somewhere, and uh, that was never going to happen. This certainly uh, before the the deadline day in England. Um, I don't think that was ever likely to be an option, um, and you, you sort of seen as a bit of a sort of uh, here's what you could have won kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe. Perhaps with the, the levels of expectation with some players uh, is, is too high, and with other players, it starts off so low that you know when when they actually turn out not to be the duds that people think they're going to be, and then then you know we're all pleasantly surprised. Um, I'm sure Steven Gerrard had seen uh, Kamara playing and, and knew exactly what he was getting, so it wouldn't have come as any surprise to him. Um, and the same with uh, Jordan Jones. So it's maybe just uh, some of the, the us. Uh, fans need to sort of think well maybe we should trust the the manager a bit more or, or whoever it is that makes the decisions on signings yeah, i'm sure it is the manager um you know trust them that they know what they're doing most of the time and you know most of the time they, they get it right there are occasions when they don't but you know that's the nature of football it's always been the case that some signings don't work and, that, and you just have to live with that yeah look it's an interesting way of looking at it that these players are coming in with slightly lower expectations, so when they do show themselves to be Rangers quality, it kind of takes everyone by surprise a wee bit. Um, the kind of inverse of this story is that with one winger coming in, it looks like another winger's on his way out um, in the form of Jamie Murphy. It looks like there's, you know, we're trying to sort out a, a, an exit on loan for, for Murphy. Um, it, it's kind of a sad one there, Ian, isn't it? You know, he, in, in my book, he did quite well in his first season. He, he got chipped in with a number of goals and a number of assists. He was always quite creative and one of our better players at breaking down stuffy teams. He then gets himself a, a horror injury on what can hardly be described as the pitch at Rugby Park um, and, and never really managed to make his way back in. Um, is it the right idea to send him send him out on loan or do you think there's possibly a role that he could be playing at Ibrox over the course of the season? No, I think I think a loan would be a, a, a great move for him. And, uh, you know, for him personally, uh, if he proves himself on loan that he's back to full fitness and back to what he was, then he will come back into the the Rangers team and 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 perform there, or get himself a permanent move to to somewhere else. So you know, I think from his point of view, it, it it's the best thing, the best option because he's clearly quite far from uh, the playing for our first team at the moment and I think from the club's point of view the, the same applies you know if, if we can get him out there getting playing regularly um, and then perhaps at the end of the loan period he can come back and, and he will be a, a an option because as you say I mean he's you know he, he did well for us uh, he's done well for us until that injury and, and um, 
we missed him. I think um, when he, when he went out of the team uh, last season. So, um, but clearly at the moment, uh, you know, the manager doesn't think he's uh, ready to to come back into the into the first team fold. So, get him out, get him playing. Hopefully, he'll uh, he'll do well on his loan spell and reassess it in uh, in January and 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 see what what the next move is. I mean, realistically, though, with the number of wide players that we've got at the club, I, okay, we've let Candias go, but we've replaced with Barker. Um, it seems we've got a number of wide players. Is there realistically any future for Jamie Murphy at the club, or is this another one of those occasions where we have a player on a long-term contract who we kind of just whittle the contract down over the years and say goodbye quietly at the end of the contract in a couple of years' time? Well, that, that might be the case. I don't know. I mean, you know, long long term. I mean, if you know, if he's playing brilliantly, then you know, we would be crazy just to to dump him. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that would be in anyone's mind. I think, uh, I think Stephen Gerrard would much rather see him go on loan, do well on loan, and uh, and if if he's ready to come back, then bring him back. But in saying that, you know, if if he doesn't. If the, the manager doesn't think he's got a future for whatever reason, then you know it's better to be out there playing and, and in the shop window than sitting in the sidelines uh, doing nothing. That doesn't help anyone. Doesn't help the player. And it doesn't help the club. So, so either way, I think uh, alone uh, is the is the best option short term. And then yeah, but I mean, I, I I don't think the door's closed to him. I think uh, I think he still has possibly has a future. It'll um, all depend how how the next six months go, I suppose. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. If I'm being totally honest, I'm I'm not sure I see him slotting back into the side. I think um, obviously he's he's getting on a wee bit in, in in years, especially compared to the rest of the squad, which is quite a young and vibrant squad at the moment. And I just worry that he doesn't quite have the quality at this stage of his career to to make an impact at Rangers in a season or two seasons' time. But listen, I'd love to be proved wrong. I think, like I say, I think he did a cracking job in his first year at Rangers. He certainly brought some into the team, so I'd love to see him. Um, make a meaningful contribution if he can. Um, David, the last thing that I wanted to cover tonight, we had Stephen Gerrard twice this week, and firstly in his, his post-match press conference out in Denmark, and then in his pre-match press conference this week ahead of the Hibs game, mentioning that he needs to make, uh, he wants to see Ibrooks rocking again. You know, he wants the fans creating a real atmosphere, a real buzz around the stadium. First things first, you know, we've we've had some excellent games against Hibs, and games that I can remember where the, the stadium's been absolutely bouncing. Did we manage that today? I think the atmosphere was decent. Um, the first you know, quarter of an hour, say, there was, there was some singing. Uh, the goals were, were were warmly celebrated, certainly around about where I sit. Uh, it's a difficult one, Ross. It's, it's, you're loath to, to sound critical of support because, um, you know, for the most part, I think the Rangers crowd... Uh, as a knowledgeable crowd, yes, it can be uh, a bit impatient, especially when things are maybe not going the team's way. But I think when the chips are down, I think per support, uh, there's not many better supports than the range of support when it comes to backing the team. Uh, today, uh, a difficult one. It, 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 in the first half, you know, we, we race into a two-goal lead early on. Hibs come back. Could you, could you point the finger at the, the support collectively for being a bit edgy? Quite possibly. Um, is that a fault with the support? 
I think you've got to say yes. You know, sometimes the, the, the crowd can go quiet in, in games that are maybe not, you know, super, super important matches. Uh, that's been an early, an early uh, fixture in the season. Um, but I don't know. I don't know where the, where the manager's going with this one. It's, I think the support home and away is, you know, pretty good. You know, they create an atmosphere. You obviously, in, obviously over in, in Denmark during the week there, and the, the atmosphere was pretty good. Certainly from from what I could hear on the, the TV watching the, the live stream. Um, I, I I think there could possibly be more more singing, but then again, the the, the team the team's got a responsibility to, to entertain the, the support. Uh, I think the, the team, to be fair to them, did entertain the, the fans. Um, maybe the weather had something to do with it. I don't know, though. So I think it's, I'm sitting on the fence with this one. I, I'm loath to criticise the support, but I can, on the other side of the coin, I can possibly see where the manager's coming from. See, that's the thing. We Obviously, we scored six excellent goals today. And it, it just, right, I live down in London. I live down south. I didn't get to the game. So I'm watching it um, however I can. And it just seemed to me that the atmosphere wasn't at the same level that it, that it perhaps could have been. Um, but like you, David, I'm, I'm loath to criticise the support. And I'd rather criticise um, the powers that be at the club for not providing an environment where we can make the atmosphere flourish. And what I'm driving at here is, David, is it time for us to be seriously, seriously pushing for safe standing? Uh, safe standing would possibly increase the atmosphere. Um, I know the Union Bears were, were trying to get moved in behind the goal in the broom one. Um, the, the club, for whatever reason, I saw fit to, to maybe put the, you know, put the brakes on that move. Um, I would safe standing add to the atmosphere. I honestly don't know, Ross. I mean, it's, I've been going to games at Ibrox now where I've been used to sitting. Um, when you, you went to away games at the, the Barteris, and that used to be a bit of a novelty, you know, you, you could stand and you know, it's, the, the feeling in, the, in the, the stadium or the ground itself is obviously very different. Um, would it be a, wee, a step backwards? I don't know. I, I think that... Rangers are one of those clubs where, in many instances, um, Rangers are expected to win, and more often than not, they do win. And it's as a collective support, it's hard to get up for. You know, no disrespect intended here, but almost like dead rubbers. You know, it's 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 a difficult thing. Um, I think when you see European matches, that the crowd gets up, and, and certainly big league games for that. Are, Know, cup semis or cup finals, the crowd can get up and generate a tremendous atmosphere when it wants to. Um, when the chips are down, when, it, when there's maybe a, you know there's a rival in the league or, or in a cup competition that are going to pose a serious threat, then there's that extra five, ten percent in the electricity stakes gets added onto the onto the onto the crowd. But um, safe standing, yeah, we, we could pilot it. Where would you pilot it in the ground? I don't know. I mean, would you stick it in maybe the, the Copeland corner? That might be an idea. Uh, could you maybe you know, have a section of one of the enclosures, make that safe standing again? I mean, obviously, years gone by, remember back to Walter Smith's time before they seated the, the enclosures, the east enclosure was, was always bouncing. 
Um, remember, uh, Walter Smith's Blue Army getting a rendition over and over and over again for you know good 20, 25 minutes of a half. Could those days come back? Possibly. We need to wait and see. I mean, let's hope so because surely today was one of those days where we are playing, obviously not not what I'd call a rival, but a team that we certainly haven't had a good relationship with over the past decade or so. Um, and a game in which we, we we put six past them, and it's a team that caused us a lot of problems last season. So you'd have thought that today the atmosphere would have been electric and alive, and it just sounds like it slightly fell short of that. Ian, I'll come to you for the last word on this. Um, let's say if it isn't safe standing. Um, maybe that's too costly or we can't get it signed off by the not-so-compliant Glasgow Council. Um, is there anything else that can be done around the stadium to to generate some kind of atmosphere? Is, is there something else that we can do to really get eyebrows rocking? I don't really know. I mean, I've, I've been around for a, for a long time and I've this sort of debate has probably been going for as long as I can remember, really. Um, I think... As David said, some games you can get the crowd up for it, and some games it, it's just not. And I think it's not it's not unique to Rangers by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you, you, you go to uh, almost every uh, game uh, ground in uh, in England, uh, the the top level, and you know a lot of the time the atmosphere is is flat. And in fact, Ibrox is probably. Um, Got far more atmosphere going than, than most of the, the, the Premier League and uh, uh, Championship grounds in England. So I don't think it's a, a unique problem to us. I just think it depends on the game. I think you know it depends on the the expectations. It depends how the game pans out as well, because quite often games that start off fairly uh, bland if they uh, if they kick off during the match. Um, then the crowd gets up for it and, and reacts to it. So a lot of it depends on what happens on the pitch. Um, I, don't, I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, safe standing, I, have, I think is a, a good idea because I think it's, you know, for, for some people are very keen to stand and I think it helps the atmosphere. Um, a lot of people don't want to stand, so that's fine. It's, you know, no problem with that. Um, but doing, you know, sort of, I don't know how you would drum up atmosphere. You know, a lot of it seems quite artificial to me. The the stuff that gets done in in, in grounds in in Europe. Um, I don't know. I just think it's just the way. In some ways, it's just the culture and just the way we are. And you know, that there's not an awful lot you can do to to change that, other than just hope the team turns up on the day and, and gets people excited. Well, look, it certainly seems that that's what's going to be happening this season. If the if the, the first few games of the season are anything to go by, it looks like we're going to have plenty of exciting moments. So hopefully the, the team can do their bit, the fans can respond, and we can kind of spur each other on in that regard. Um, if not, we'll just buy some disco lights. Right, listen, I think that's probably just about all we have time for um, this evening. So as always, I'd like to say a massive, massive thank you to David Fraser for returning to the show and to Ian for making his debut tonight for your time and your insight. Thank you very, very much. Um, if you guys have enjoyed the show, then please do let us know. Although I can see that a couple of you have been giving us wee ad hoc reviews in the YouTube comments there. So thanks for that, lads. Um, the show is going to be available for download from tomorrow morning. Uh, that will be on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Music, anywhere you get your podcast regularly. So make sure you do subscribe and never miss a thing from Jersnet. Also, make sure you head over to our website, www.jersnet.co.uk. There's a whole host of articles, insight, match previews, loads of stuff there. There's also a very, very friendly discussion forum where you can find all of tonight's contributors. You can let us know how much you disagree with everything we've just said. 
The show will be back next week, same time, same place. That's Sunday at 9.30pm on the YouTube stream. Colin is going to be the host talking you through uh, hopefully another smashing week in Govan, although knowing him, he'll probably tell you about Liverpool and Camelon Juniors. Following that, all that's left for me to say is thank you very, very much for listening and have a great week.